says, For unto us, being Jesus, a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Watch the language here. And the government will be upon his shoulders. That's making reference to his kingdom. Right? His kingdom. Go back to that, please, so I can finish reading it. His government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, watch, and Prince, Prince of what? Prince of Peace, right? Watch, look at the rest of it, okay? He will be called Prince of Peace. Of, of, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be, watch, of the increase in his government, of the increase of his government, and in the increase of his peace, there shall be no end. There is no end to his peace. Now, if you go back to the previous verse, the Bible says that he is called the Prince of Peace. That word prince literally means, watch, it literally means this, the authority and the dominion to bring something to pass. So when Jesus came on Advent, when he came to the earth on Christmas morning, but we, it's not our calendar, but we, we celebrate it. We get all that, right? Okay, but when he came, he came as not just to bring peace, he is our prince of peace. Now, what does that mean? When he came, he came with the authority and the power to bring with him the peace that you need for your life the authority to bring it see pastor what does that mean let me tell you what that means how many know there are things that come against our life that sometimes cause unrest in our life how many know that some people deal with anxiety fear depression anybody anybody talk to me in this building right how many know those are those are mental mental challenges and and different and different things like that but how many know jesus says you might be dealing with that but guess what the peace i give you has authority and dominion over all of that has authority over all of it aren't you glad he came to bring you peace today now look at luke the second chapter this is popular look at luke glory to god in the highest and on and on earth peace watch peace and goodwill towards men peace and goodwill towards men can i say this to you you know why christmas is so morning so important to you and i because when jesus came to the earth he shifted the dynamics of your life he shifted everything about your life. You see, what do you mean, Pastor? Let me tell you what that means. Back before Jesus came, there was distance between you, between people and God. There was distance. And how many know if you read the Old Testament, right, you can look at God and be like, man, he's, he's kind of upset. And how many know, how many know when you read the New Testament, the same God in the New Testament is a little bit different from the Old Testament? Is that not true? You read the Old Testament, you're like, whoa. But you read the New Testament, you're like, I like this. And they're both relevant, and they both have immense, all of, it, all of it has immense truth and purpose for us. But the point being is that when Jesus came to the earth, he brought with him for you and I no more distance between God and man. We now become one with him. And guess what? He brought with him peace and good will for your life. How many know that is important? Listen, when he is the prince of peace, he has the authority to bring to your life the peace that you need for 
you to be able to be who you need to be in your life. Are you ready for this? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Goodwill. Come on, everybody say towards men. Come on, say it like you believe. Say towards men. You know what that word toward means? It means to remain in place. It means to remain in place. You know what that means to you and I? You know what that means to you and I? That means that there's nothing you can do to take that peace away from you. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. That there's nothing you can do. That that peace that you have, if you stay connected to that peace, there's nothing in this entire world that will be able to remove God's peace from your life. It is constant. It's not constant, watch. It's not constant because of everything that we do. It is constant because when he came, he said, I am coming to bring goodwill, peace to mankind, hope to mankind, and it will remain in place because of what I have done for you through my sacrifice. Wow. Wow. Think about that. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men will always remain in place because of who he because Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross. He came, he came. He came for you and he came for me to bring what? Peace with him. And he has nothing but goodwill to all of us. Now, I will say this to you. If you're in this room today and you don't have peace in your life and you don't have peace in your heart, and you feel like there's anxiety and there's no purpose and there's no vision in your heart and you feel like things are working against you and, and there's, no, there's no momentum to who you are and you feel like you're, it's just too much for you. Can I say this to you today? That all you have to do is make space in your heart for God and say to yourself, I need peace in my life. I need goodwill in my life. I need hope in my life and I open my heart to you. How many know the moment you make room for God in your life, the game changes and the, the, there comes a major shift in your life. A major shift in your life. Wow. You're glad you came so far this morning. Okay. So I'm going to give you real quick and we're going to go through it very quickly. I'm going to give you the five primary definitions of peace in the New Testament. I'm going to give you five, five definitions of peace in the New Testament because you need it. Because sometimes we don't understand what peace is. Sometimes peace for some of you is when you try to do a selfie and you do this. Right? And if you're angry, you only use one of the fingers. Right? So for others of you, peace is like, you know, peace is like, you know, you think of like the 70s because that's where some of you were born. And, you know, you, you think of like peace and, you know, whatever in the 70s. Some of you, we, we don't have a true definition of peace. We just, we just think it's just like, I just don't want trouble. I just don't want, I want the absence of trouble. But I think if we can get our mind around the concept of Advent, and Jesus came for you and I to bring peace, let's define what that looks like in your life so you can walk in it and have a new reality of life. Are, are, are you with me today? So one of the primary definitions of peace, number one, you ready for this? What is peace? Tranquility of heart and mind. Tranquility of heart and mind. Whenever I think, I want you to just kind of get a definition in your mind of what you think tranquility is. When I think of the word tranquility, I think of like going to one of those spas, right? You walk in and everything's peaceful, right? And you're walking and they put that, you know, that very short bathrobe on you, right? And, and, and you're just sh sitting in the waiting room, and, you know, it, it, this is my experience. I'm talking about me, all right? You go in there, and you're the only male in the room, and it's a little, no, 
they want to make it tranquil. They want to make it peaceful. They want you to, you know, kind of leave all that stuff out there. Tranquility simply means to be calm of mind and heart. To be calm of mind and heart. Meaning what? That when Jesus came and he was born and he came to our life, and when you make space in your heart for him, Jesus came so you could live in peace and you could have stable emotions, you could have stable mentalities, you could have be strong spiritually, that your life is not being moved, moved up and down. Jesus did not die on the cross so you could be governed by fear. He did not die on the cross so you could be governed by anxiety. He did not die on the cross so you could be alienated by all these things that come around you. Can I be honest with you? When he came to life or came to this earth, he came for you and he came for me. And he came with that to bring the authority or has the authority to bring peace, tranquility, and calm to your life. Listen, and because of his life that he gave on the cross... That peace and tranquility can always remain in place. Wow. Should, it can always remain in place. Let's move very quickly. Look at Philippians, the fourth chapter. Look at Philippians, the fourth chapter. Let's keep going. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I like that. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. When do we rejoice? Always. I like the word always because that's important. Because if that word is not in there, then rejoicing becomes optional then rejoicing becomes based upon how you feel. He says, rejoice in the Lord. No matter what's going on in your life, rejoice, right? He says, again, again, I say rejoice. In other words, I'm reminding you, let gentleness be known to, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand, watch, be anxious for nothing. How many know that is hard for, for most of us in this room? Come on, y'all, y'all can't lie in church. You can lie out the... You, how many know being anxious for nothing is, yeah. right? How many know that's very difficult? Yeah. Be anxious for nothing, God? I mean, yeah. you mean nothing? I mean, you don't want me to be anxious for nothing? That's what he says. But he's going to give you how. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Watch. And after you make your request known to God, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling overwhelmed, life is too much, it becomes too busy for me, I'm being, it's, I feel fearful, I, I feel like, right? We feel, okay? Which is a whole other topic, right? He says, I feel this, I feel this, I, but this is what he says. He says, when you feel this, go to the throne room of God, go and pray, go and have supplication. Go and worship. He says, and after you do that, then guess what? You will be given peace that will surpass the understanding of your life. What does that mean? What does that mean to you and I? That means that when you go to that place and you begin to pray and worship God, guess what happens to your life? Guess what happens? You have peace in your life and you don't understand why. You don't even... You, Normally, you shouldn't be peaceful. But because you've done this, you are peaceful. In other words, there's no reason why you should be peaceful because everybody else is worried. Everybody else is stressed out. But guess what? 
When you do that, God gives you a sense of peace in your life that brings calmness and tranquility in your heart, and you begin to understand that God has got all this in control. I'm going to be at rest. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Jesus, the Jesus, the Prince of Peace, died to establish peace and goodwill for your life. He died to establish, died to establish peace. Come on, everybody say peace. peace. Come on, everybody say peace. peace. Goodwill for your life. And because he did this, he established it in your life. It has the ability, because of his authority, to remain in place. And because it cannot be knocked away, guess what happens? You can now begin to rejoice. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But I need peace, right? I make my request made known to God. Watch, here we go. Look at Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Okay, so here, here's, here, we're going to get real, okay? Because I'm going to make a statement to you. You ready for this? You ready for this? Jesus, through him coming, Advent, Christmas, through him come, coming, he came to bring us peace. But how many know we have to own that peace? Listen to your pastor. I'm going to say it to you again. Be a note taker. Jesus came to bring that peace and establish that peace in your life, but you have to own your peace. See, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Watch. This is what Proverbs 4.23 says. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow, flows the issues. The original translation means the boundaries. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the boundaries of your life. So watch. Jesus came to the earth to give you peace. And that peace, watch, that peace he will never take from you. That peace will always remain in place. But how many know we can remove ourselves from a peaceful place? He came to give you peace, but you can remove yourself from a peaceful place. Say, how does that happen, Pastor? By you not guarding your heart. By you not guarding your mind. You can be peaceful in your heart, and God can bring peace, and pretty soon you will be thinking about things that are not healthy for you, thinking about things that bring anxiety, things that, that, things that you can't solve in your life, things that are bigger than you. Guess what? Because you didn't guard your heart, how many of you know, how many of you know that that can take you out of a peaceful place? How many know you can have a good day and talk to the wrong person, and that good day turns into a bad day? How many of you can get a phone call from somebody? You ever looked at that phone and you'd be like, oh my gosh, really? I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. Have you, uh, have you ever had that? You looked at your phone and you're like, really? Really? Again? How many of you ever had that happen? You ever had that text? You're like, I just don't want to respond to that text. Okay? You have to guard your heart and mind. Guard your heart and mind. Not every thought that comes to your mind should, should have permission to have real estate in your mind. Every thought, that, every emotion that comes to you should not have the ability to dictate how you feel about your future. You have to guard it. So how do I guard it? By who I listen to, by what I listen to, what I see, and what I watch. So that's old school. Oh, yes, it is. But that's why some of you don't have peace. Because you don't have a boundary in your life, and everything comes in and out of your life at will. And because every, you give permission to everything to come in and out of your life, guess what? It disrupts your peace. What God is saying, what the writer is saying, what, what Solomon is saying, he says, put a boundary around your mind and your heart. And be like, I'm not going to think I like that. 
I'm not watching that. I'm not looking at that. I'm not going to listen to that person. I'm not going to listen to what they say. You know what? I'm going to guard my peace because I need peaceful rest and victory in my heart. So I put a boundary around my life that says no to that and yes to the good. Come on. Come on. I got a phone call when I was in Idaho last week. I got a phone call when I was in Idaho last week. And it was just... It was full of negativity. And by the time I got done, I was in the car with somebody. I said, you know what? I believe I have an allergic reaction to negativity. I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to give permission to negative talk. I don't want to give permission to, to, to negative people. I don't want to give permission. Watch. You ready for this? To negative music. I don't want to give permission to negative television. How many, come on, men, you ready? You ready? Guys, you ready? I don't want to give permission to negative ads. Reels. I'm going to get real. I'm talking about reels. Right? That may come up. And you find yourself looking at it. How many of you know you got to guard that? See, so you got quiet in here. I said, how many know you got to guard that? I see, like, really, Pastor? You don't get real, that real? I'm going to get that real. You got to guard that. I said, you got to guard that. You got to push no or whatever you do. You have to guard that. Why? Because when you put a guard around your life, it leads you to the life of Christ and victory in your heart Jesus came to establish peace in your life but you have to own your own peace by guarding what comes in and out of your life are, are, are you learning today here's number two we got to move very quickly number two living with a sense of divine favor from God arising out of reconciliation living with divine favor come on say I have favor Listen, the moment you said yes to Jesus, the moment you said yes to Jesus, you're reconciled with God. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you're reconciled back to God. And the moment you got reconciled back to God, guess what came with you? Divine favor. Amen. Come on, everybody say favor. favor. There's, a difference between, but there's a difference between knowing that I have something and, knowing the, and, and owning the realization of what I possess. How many know you can have great things but yet not use it to your benefit? So the fact that I know that I'm favored is one thing, but the fact that I act like I'm favored is quite another thing, right? Because if I'm aware of it, I live differently. People who don't understand that when they, be, when they, when they made reconciliation with God in their heart, people who do not understand that they have favor, this is their narrative. I, 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 I just don't know if things are going to work out for me. I, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to go, and I just don't know if, I'm, if that's going to work. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm going to get that position. I'm, I'm not sure how my life is going to go. I'm, I don't know what's happening, and I'm not sure what's going Those are people who don't understand their favor. But when you, when Jesus came to the earth and was born in that manger and died on the cross for you, he gave you, he gave you 
a sense of divine favor arising out of his life. And when you do that, get, and when you realize that, guess what? Your narrative changes. Your narrative is no longer, I'm not sure how it's going to happen. This is how a person with favor walks around. I know that God is working it out for me. I may not, be, I may, I may not see the end of it. I'm not sure how it's, going to, how it's going to work out. But I know I'm his child. I know he loves me. I know he's got great things for me. So I believe that that is going to be favor in my life. And if I get that job, that's because God has favor in my life. And if I don't get that job, it's because God has favor upon my life. My life is not in control by anything but God. And I'm going to throw my head up and I'm going to put my shoulders back. And I'm going to thank God for the favor I have in my life. Come on, everybody say favor. favor. I thank God for the favor I have in my life. Right? Your narrative has to change. He paid the price. For you to live in him. When he died on that cross and came to this earth, he established, he is, watch, he is the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. He came to bring peace to your life. And by his authority, he establishes it in your heart. But you have to own it. You have to own your favor. You have to own your favor. Watch, this is the day, this is, what this, this is what the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will do what? Rejoice, Rejoice and be glad. That's not, two, that's not one principle, that's two principles. God made the day, you choose how you're going to live it. God made the day, you choose if you're going to have divine favor come into your life, right? You walk, with, you walk different when you understand that you have favor in your life. What, why, why? Because the source of your peace and the source of your favor comes by the life and the death of Jesus Christ. The reconciliation, the Prince of Peace came to bring authority and dominion that cannot be moved or changed if you own your peace. Look at Romans 5. Look at Romans 5. Very quick. We've got to move very quickly. Look at Romans 5. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, Adam, entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread through all men because of all, because, um, because all sin. Watch. In other words, let me break that down for you. How many know when Adam came to the earth, he jacked it all up for us? But how many know when Jesus came to the earth, he fixed up, he fixed what, what Adam jacked up? Right? So that's what Paul's saying. That's, that's today's translation okay so look at verse 17 look at verse 17 watch for if by one man's offense adam sinned death reigned through one person much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one jesus christ what watch who those who receive the abundance of grace what is god's grace what is god's grace unmerited undeserved favor so when you receive jesus and when he came to this earth on christmas and when he came during advent he came to bring favor to your life through his life are you with me that's my way of saying to you expect the best for your life expect to win do disappointments happen in life all the time do you get everything you want never but guess what? If disappointments come, you have peace in your heart to navigate through it. Oh, yes. You know why, you know why I said that? Because somebody's like, does it mean I'm not going to have any trouble? No, you don't have a whole lot of trouble. 
a whole lot of it. You don't have a lot of it, especially if you're going in the right direction. You don't have a whole lot of it. Are you with me? But what he's saying to you that when Jesus came to the earth, he established divine favor in your life. Come on, everybody say favor. favor. Come on, everybody say favor. favor. What brings me favor? God's life. Jesus' life in you brings favor to your life. Wow. Here you go. Here's the next one. You ready? Here's the next one. You, are, are, are you learning today? Here's the next definition of peace in the Bible. Okay? The author and giver of blessing. The author and giver of blessing. We don't talk about this. A lot of people don't talk a lot about this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contextualize this in the right way. I want you to look at Romans 15, verse 33. 15, verse 33. Okay? Watch. Romans 15, verse 23. Sorry. Or we're, we're, okay. Now the God of peace be with you. Amen. That word peace right there, that word peace means author and giver of blessing. That word peace means author and giver of blessing. So let's read it. Now may the God, right, of, of what? May the God of what? Giver and blessing be with you always. May the God of giving and blessing be with you always. May he be with you always. Now, when you understand that you claim that for your life, this is what you live in. You live in what is called the John 10, 10 life, or what I would call the blessed life. What is a blessed life, Pastor? What is a blessed life? The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have and have it. I have come that you might have what? A lot more, but John 10, 10 life. You see, Pastor, what is that life? If he's, if he's a giver of blessing, does that mean I'm going to get a new ride? I'm going to remove the American culture from Christmas from you right now. And I'm going to give you the truth of the gospel. Can I give you the truth of, of the Bible? Nobody wants to hear it. I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay? I'm going to tell you anyway. The blessing of God is not what you have. I'm going to qualify it even more. And I'm going to help you with the American culture. Because the American culture deems that I, and when you say it all the time, look at my, look at my new car, I am so blessed. I am so, look, I am so blessed. Oh, Jesus. Look at my new car, look at my, look at my, look at my, look at my new house, oh my God, I'm just so. Are you, yes. But can I say this to you? The blessing of God is not materialistic things. I'm going to say to you again, the blessing of God is not materialistic things. Can we lose that thinking in our church? I'm going to roll up my sleeves here. Y'all going to make me work here, Joe. Look, here, come on. All right, you're all comfortable with your scarf on. You know, listen, I'm going to make you work. Okay, you ready? You ready? The blessing of God is not materialistic. The blessing of God is not what you have. The blessing of God is who you have. Let me explain that to you a little bit further. Let me explain that to you a little bit further. What do you mean? What's John 10? I have come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. That life is not the possessions you have. That life is a life that you have been given through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What is that life that he came to give you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Hope, 
peace, goodwill towards men, victory, strength, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to over, overcome, the ability to be stable, the ability to have eternal life, the ability to be who you could not be without you. God comes and give you who, gives you who he is, and through that life, you now have those things of who he is. That is the blessed life. Paul said it. Paul said it. He said, whether I have this or I have that, I know, how to, I know how to be happy with my life. Whether I have a car, whether I don't have a car, I'm still going to be okay with God because it's not what I have, it's who I have. God said it to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to understand something about your life. I said that you're blessed. But blessing is not the land you have. It's not the cattle you have. It's not the things that you have. But can I say this to you? He said, Abraham, I want you to understand this one thing. The blessing that I've given you is con contextualized like this. I am your exceedingly and great reward. In other words, I can give you nothing greater than myself, Abraham. Do you know why you have the blessed life? Of who lives in your heart. Now, if you are, if you are given things through, through God, home, a, a car, a job that meets your needs, that is simply a byproduct of his goodness to your life. It's a byproduct. But how many know we don't seek things, we seek him. And because we seek him, we understand that he is the author and the finisher of our life. Can we change the narrative in this church? Wow. Come on, I've got three minutes and 25 seconds. You ready for another one? Thank you, Rose. Okay. Here's number, here's number four. You ready? Here's number four. Here's number four. Here's the definition piece. And you have to get this. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm going to try it. Ready, number four? God is not mad at you. Never the definition of peace. God, come on, say God's not, mad. God's not mad. Come on, everybody online, put it in the chat. God is not mad at me. God is not mad at me. Look at Romans five. Look at Romans five, verse one. Listen, you got to get this. This is so good. Therefore, having been justified by faith, that word justified, if you're a note taker, means this. It means acquitted and given the right to have standing with God. Therefore, I have been justified by faith, having peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. Therefore, having been acquitted and given the right standing with God, I now have peace through Jesus Christ. Please listen. I'm going to say it to you again. Therefore, having been acquitted and given the right standing with God, I now have peace with God. Some of you should be like, wow. Professor, what does that mean? What does that mean? You ready for this? God's not mad at you. You say, Pastor, why, you, why, why, why is that important? Why is that, let, me help, let me help you with this. You ready? Remember when you were a kid and you did something wrong and you didn't want your parents to know about it? Or you have kids now and they do something wrong? What's the first thing they do? They hide it. Or they hide from you. They hide what they did wrong. So when you get this idea, this Christian narrative that is painted in churches, when we get this narrative that God is mad at you, guess what it causes you to do? To hide from him. 
It causes you to want to be away from him. Because you don't want him to know. It's like he doesn't already know. <laughs> He's like, okay. Right? It's like, but it, 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 it builds shame in you. It causes you to want to hide. You know what God says? Don't, no. No. No way. No. That's not, that's not me. Guess what? I, I, I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. How many know that is important? How many know that is important? Okay? Because the, the important thing is that when you, when you think that God's mad at me, when he's upset with you, it makes God schizophrenic. It makes him schizophrenic. It makes, him, it makes you think. Like if I did this, that God's mad at me. And if I didn't do this, he's, he's not mad at me. How many know God doesn't change? He remains the same. He loves you. And if you do blow it, how many know he picks you up, empowers you by his grace, by his love, by his Holy Spirit, by his strength, and says, listen, I know you did that, but guess what? You're better than that. I'll empower you to be better than that, and I will give you the ability to overcome it through my life in you. That's what he says to you. So you don't have to be a victim to it, but please do not be, don't, don't hide, don't hide from me. God's not mad. Number four, we're done. Or number five, we're done. You ready? Health and welfare and prosperity of every kind. Health, wealth, and prosperity of every kind. Let me just kind of clarify a statement. Listen, there is not a gospel of prosperity. Because in this might be this might be like for people who have been in church a long time, so I'll qualify in just a moment. There's not, there's not a gospel of prosperity. How many ever heard of the prosperity message, the gospel of prosperity? You ever heard that? There is not a gospel of prosperity, but prosperity is in the gospel. Does that make sense to you? Okay? And, and there's a strong biblical teaching and proof that, that the prosperity of life and the health of your life really is, is, is determined by the interstate of who's, who is in your life. It's determined by the interstate of who's in your life. Again, it goes back to what we talked about. It's not what I have, but it's who you have in your heart. And can I say this to you? God wants you to be well. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be prosperous emotionally, mentally. He wants that for your life. And he came to give that to you. This is what James says. Look at James. He says, every good and, and every good or every gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every good, every gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning. In other words, God doesn't change. Wow. The five definitions of peace. The five definitions of peace. Put that slide up there of all five of them. The five definitions of peace. Number one, tranquility of heart and mind. Two, living with a sense of divine favor from God, arising from the reconciliation with God. Three, the author and giver of all blessing. Four, God is not mad at me. Five, health, welfare, and prosperity of every kind. That is the prince of peace. That's the prince of peace. And I want you to own that today. I want you to own that. I want you to own that. That's when Jesus came to the earth, Christmas. And when he died on the cross, 33 years later, he came to establish that in your heart, in your life. 
And you might be sitting here today and say, Pastor, man, I don't know. So hard. I get it. But he has the authority to overcome your doubt and your fear. Is that okay? Come on, let's just stand together as, as a church. Let's stand together. Did you enjoy that this morning? Come on. Come on, everybody say, he is. Come on, say, he is my Prince of Peace. Read those in your Bible. Peace and goodwill towards man. Re study that, that word towards. It remains forever. I want you just to think this morning, wherever you may be in your life, I want you just to begin to say, God, I want you to bring me peace in my heart, peace in my life. Bring me peace, God. Bring me peace. I need peace in my life today, God. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're in this room today, and you've never had peace in your life, You've heard about it, you've had moments of it, but it's never been sustained. And you're like, I need, I need to, I need to have that peace in my life that can't be taken away. The only way that comes to your life is when you ask Jesus to come into your heart. That's the only way it happens. People who look for peace outside of God have temporary moments of peace. But it's not sustained. When you ask Jesus to come into your life and you ask him to be the Lord of your life, guess what happens? He brings with him all the life-giving force that you need to be who he's created you to be. You get his strength. You get his forgiveness. You get his joy. You get his happiness. All you have to do is say, God, I need it in my life. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Everybody just listen to your, your pastor for a minute. You say, Pastor, I need that in my life. I need to have something new in my life. I need to have some strength in my life, some faith in my heart, some peace in my heart. I need that, God. If that is you this morning, if that is you today, all you have to do is have the courage to say, I want that in my heart, and I need it in my life. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I have never in my life admitted to my heart, admitted to myself that I need Jesus in my life, and today I want to pray that I can receive him then I'll pray with you today. I'll pray with you. All you got to do is make room in your heart for him. I don't care where you are. I don't care who, you, who you've been. I don't care where you come from. All you got to do is say, I need that peace in my life. I need him. Or maybe you're in this room and, and you've, you've known about God and you've known about church, you've known about faith, but you just kind of walked away from it all. You just kind of let go of it. But today, you're in your, in your, in your mind, and you're like, I want to reconnect with my faith. I want to reconnect with God. Pray with me that I can reconnect with God because I need that. This is I'm coming into 2024. I need a better year. I need a better life. I need a new life. If that is you, I'll pray for you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. This is your moment of decision, of life change. This is where the game changes. This is where your life changes. This is where all begins to move forward. If you're in this room this morning, say, Pastor, pray with me that I can receive Jesus for the first time or pray with me that I can reconnect my life back to God. If that is you, I want you to lift your hand up in the air all over this building. Lift your hand up in the air. Say, Pastor, I need that. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else in this building, leave your hand up. If you see a hand in the air, I just want you to reach out and put your hand on that person's shoulder. Lift your hand. That's it. I love that, sir. Be bold about it. I'm so happy for you. God bless you. I see that hand. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. You can put that hand down as long as your hand is on their shoulder. Wow. Awesome, awesome. Okay, you ready for this? Everybody watch. Everybody look at me just for a moment, especially those of you that raise your hand. 
I'm going to say the, a prayer. I want you to say the prayer with me, but here's how it works. I say the prayer, you bring the meaning. I say the prayer, you bring the meaning. Okay? Watch, everybody, especially those that raise their hand. Okay? I say the prayer. Everybody in this building is going to say the prayer, but you bring the meaning of the prayer. Are you with me today? Let's pray together today. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I need peace. I need forgiveness. I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Fill my heart with joy and strength. Thank you, Jesus, for this new day. Today, my life changes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.